In the jungle of land how to share with people like supporting each other it's one of the important things that like that I've learned from the jungle because when you share you share from the bottom of your heart you don't make it like okay I'm sharing with you no if you don't feel it don't do it you're listening to the voice of my amazing friend Awad we met in the jungle refugee camp in Calais in northern France in 2015, and he was pretty unforgettable from the off. He stood out. A Sudanese refugee himself, he took on the role of helping volunteers with things like distribution, gaining the utmost respect from the Sudanese community within the camp and becoming an informal leader. Awad put his own dreams of reaching the UK aside, not wanting to leave behind the people that had come to rely on him. He was one of the last people I knew to finally make the crossing, spending years in his own personal limbo to serve others. Yet whilst living in circumstances hardly fit for an animal, he was positive, loving and wise. And not just this, he was also always the best dressed person in Calais. Somehow he maintained his own sense of style throughout. We recorded this episode late one evening after he'd cooked a big Sudanese feast for me and my sister in his new flat in Edinburgh. We cover some interesting and unexpected themes, from the concept of identity, to change, to patience, to age and more. I hope you enjoy his words of wisdom. Awad, I'm so happy to have this opportunity to speak to you for the second episode of the Worldwide Tribe podcast. Thank you so much, Jazz, and thank you for the Worldwide Tribe for giving me the opportunity, you know, to share, like, about my life or about my journey. It's about time, isn't it? All right. Lots of magic to be talked about today. All right. You're listening to the Worldwide Tribe podcast. Stories from the refugee crisis. I'm your host, Jazz O'Hara, and together with some very special guests, we'll be taking you on a journey across the world without you having to go anywhere. We're here to amplify voices, from the people leaving their countries and everything behind them to the volunteers working alongside them. We'll be hearing from those currently living in refugee camps and people working on the front line, the real heroes of today, the humans behind the statistics and the headlines. Join me as we transcend borders, nationalities, religions and languages to hear from the people with which we share this world, our worldwide tribe. Awad and I started this conversation by reminiscing about those years in the jungle refugee camp where we met. It was a place full of pain, but also full of so much love and a lot of learning for all of us. For me, it changed my life. And for Awad, I think it's safe to say it did too. In the jungle, I've learned how to share with people. Like supporting each other, it's one of the important things that, like, that I've learned from the jungle. But how did you learn how to share with each other when you had so little? 
when things like food or, you know, warm clothing and things like that were so scarce and you really needed to look after yourself, how did you learn in that environment how to share? It's simple. Because if you have today, you may not have tomorrow. So more you share, more you learn. And sharing is caring. And when you share something with, with love, I guess there is, there is no word to describe that, trust me. Yeah, you share with, with someone, you are the reason. Someone, it may smile or it may feel like full because never been eating or haven't been eating like for, say, a couple of days, mm-hmm. for example. Because of the hard situation that we have been or we've been living in the jungle. I asked Awad whether he thought this attitude towards sharing was cultural and whether he had acted the same way in Sudan before he left. Yeah, people, they share together, but you are more close to your family. So you just look after your family, you share with your family. You do share with your neighbour, with your relatives, but not in a hard situation. But is that because in the jungle your neighbours became your family? Exactly. Totally true. Totally right. Because... If something happened to me, who's going to be standing next to me or support me? Not my little brother or my wee brother. I like that you use the word <laughs> we now that you live in Scotland. My wee brother. Yeah, because... <laughs> so Scottish already. <laughs> yeah, because you got you to you get in the community. You know, you're not... You don't feel like you're not a part of this community. Yeah. yeah. You're integrating already, using the language. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, in the jungle... Instead of having your family, your blood family, or yeah. the people yeah. that are related to you, traditionally related to you, mm-hmm. you made a new family, right? Yeah, With the people exactly. around you. Exactly. People around you, that would be your, your family, you know, mm. your friend, your, like, people mean a lot to you. So, basically, sharing and that was a way of getting close to people, trusting people so that if you needed them, then they would be there for you, basically. Exactly. How could you know someone if you don't share with? Or how how do we know people if we don't, for example, go and say hello? Yeah? Because Sharing is not just about, like, you give what you have. Like, okay, I got some bread I can share with you. Mm-hmm. No, I can share my time with you as well. Yeah. And it, and what's more valuable, actually, than your time, hey? Exactly. So you started to share with the people around you so that they became your family. Yeah. And is that right. how you brought new people into that family, by sharing what you had with them? Exactly. Exactly. That's how you bring people together. I just want to bring up an example of this. <laughs> it happened this morning. Yeah. Right? I brought a banana for you and for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> And yeah. we were hungry because we hadn't eaten all morning. And by the right. time that I gave you the banana, we'd already been up for like five hours, right? Yeah, true. And we happened <laughs> to be sitting with somebody else and you insisted that he ate your banana. <laughs> and I knew that you wanted that banana, but you told him, you're like, no, 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 mate, you have it, you have it. I don't even want it. Yeah. And I think that was a really another good example of you didn't know this guy. He was new no. and new, he wasn't was... already in your family no no i was i haven't met this guy before but just imagine like you care about someone feeling mm-hmm. 
that's something really beautiful, you know. And I really want to see you happy because that makes me happy as well. So it's not about eating banana that makes you happy. No, it's about I share with you. Okay, so we've got two and we are three. And what we can do, like you and I, we can share one and give him one. Okay, as for example, take it in a way of we know each other for mm-hmm. like a long, so like a family. And he's a new person, so we want to bring him to our family as well, to be one of us. Yeah, because when you share, you share from the bottom of your heart. You don't make it like, okay, I'm sharing with you. No, if you don't feel it, don't do it. But when you do believe uh, what you have got, you can lose it just in a minute or Mm -hmm. in a second. That makes you... Yeah, that makes you really need to, you know, to stop for a second and think about how life is work. Less attached. Yeah. We need we need really to understand, like, as I said, it's not about race, it's not about religion, okay? Politics things can divide us, religion can divide us, mm-hmm. race can divide us. So better if we stop talking about all this and just come together. Okay, and yeah, accept each other mm-hmm. and live in peace and love. I know it's not something easy. It's easier to say, but but it's the truth. You know, like many people, they know that it's the truth, but they don't have the courage mm-hmm. to try. Yeah, so encourage yourself. Try, try to do Try to prepare for your for what you won't see tomorrow. Try to prepare for what you won't see in the rest of your life. And what you will do today, you will be back. You will get back to you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So that's that's why we have to prepare for tomorrow for what we won't see tomorrow. You will not feel good like if you see someone, for example, in the street, like really need your help. Yeah. And you just turn your back and you move because you are in a better situation than that person. Mm -hmm. No, imagine just turn, just flip it or switch it off. Like put yourself in this position. I don't mean you're in a person, Mm -hmm. but I'm like talking. So how would you feel if you're in that person's situation and you really need the help and no one is helping you? No one is supporting you? Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, imagine yourself in the darkest position that you've ever been in, the hardest position that you've ever been in, with everything Mm -hmm. against you, you know, at the lowest point in your life, and you're needing help more than you've ever needed it before, and then people turn your back on you then, how vulnerable you would feel, and I feel that that's something really important to think about when talking about refugees and the refugee crisis that actually... We're talking about people who have not only left everything behind, maybe they've suffered trauma or terrible things in their country, right. and then they're in a new country, they're faced, facing a lot of obstacles, and yeah, they do need a little bit of understanding and compassion. Exactly. And for us to not recognise that, I think, is, yeah, is, is a real issue of, of our time of our whole time, I think we'll look back on this and yeah, unless we really change our attitudes as a, as an entire nation, you know, we'll be ashamed of how we've dealt with 
this because what we're talking about here with a banana and one person, we can scale that up to be large scale across countries. And really here we're talking about sharing resources and not holding on to you know, this idea of, well, we live in this country, so we're entitled and self-righteous about the fact that we happen to be born here. So we are owed, we have an entitlement to living here and the services and the safety and the security that life here provides. This idea of, oh, well, our NHS is already stretched. Well, for me, it seems crazy that we can feel so entitled to something like that when what have we done to really deserve that, actually? Yeah, totally true. It's not a uh, um, a culture of sharing that we're displaying at the moment when it comes no. to welcoming people into this country. And that's something that, for me, I feel at every level, from one tiny thing like a banana to, yeah... Oh, a country we have a lot we would have a lot to learn from you Awad <laughs> I'm learning every day you know new things yeah before we move on too much from this idea of sharing because I think okay. it's a really amazing topic oh, cool. I just want to ask you what would you say to people who aren't worried about not trusting new people. So you're talking about in the jungle, for example, you're meeting new people, you're welcoming them into your family by sharing with them. That makes you vulnerable, right? That makes you vulnerable to being hurt by them or being used by them or them taking from you and not giving back. Like what what would you say to people that are untrustworthy of new people? Yeah, all of us, we know that. Don't check the book by the cover. So... Give, give give yourself the right that to know someone and then you will figure out if you can trust this person or not. And what if you can't so, and they've just taken what you have to, to offer and they don't return that? Like personally, okay, I will not feel I will not feel like down or bad because this is me, I just be out, you know. I'm not doing this because I want you like to say to thanks me or to give me something back. I'm doing it because I feel I want to do it. If you say thank you or not, that's back to you. That's 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 not 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 my my apartment. You know, that's. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, it's not your apartment. Yeah. it's not your. It's not up to you. Exactly. To uh, control how they behave. You can just control how you behave, right? Mm-hmm. Always expect the good, you know, in people. If you give, don't wait for, you know, for to get to, to get things back. Just do it and move forward. So you think that in your experience, have you received more than you can give in this situation from people in terms of support and love and yeah yeah i do think i do i do feel that oad and i love chatting about cultural similarities and differences i always enjoy hearing about life in sudan and his perspective on life in the uk even even your age right it's not really no 
no one cares in Sudan how old you are. And it seems like yeah. when I ask people that, they're kind of surprised. Like, um, I have to think about that because I'm not even sure myself. Like when I ask their <laughs> Sudanese friends or people that I'm meeting. Whereas in the UK, it's like something that we're actually pretty obsessed with our age. And it's kind of one of the first things that you learn about somebody, yeah. which is really interesting that this the is- Sudanese people that I know, yeah, kind of not, that's not on their radar as doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. This is one of the things met people here. Like I've met people in, in Europe feeling not okay with getting old. This is life, yeah. you know, this is life and age is just number. It's all about your heart. So you still can be like a 90 or even older and your heart is still young you know, by what you're doing, by the way, like how you think about how, how you feel about people. Absolutely. But I think that it comes down in, uh, the, I, the fact that people don't feel good about getting older is comes down to a physical thing. It's the fact that they look older mm-hmm. and people become aware of that, that they don't like the idea of looking older. Is that something that is shared in Sudan? That idea of not wanting to to age physically people they have to accept that we're gonna get old one day okay like hopefully hey it's a good thing if we do right <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like more you're getting older more you you getting more experience like how you think or the way of understanding the life and you get wise things, things yeah exactly think things in a different way it became more, you know, like, yeah, you got more knowledge. We soon moved on to the topic of change. There's been a lot of change wow. since I've known you. A lot you. of things. You've had to go through a lot of big life changes. Actually, probably every single thing in your life that you knew has changed in the last yeah. 10 years, right? Exactly. Where you were living, who with, who was around you, everything, You're the the continent, the culture, the language. Yeah, I mean, can't imagine how different Edinburgh is from Sudan. Yeah, <laughs> totally different. Change is often times a scary word, okay? Or should I say what we think about Change is scary. Change really, really needed, you know, to help ourselves. To grow, right? To grow, we needed exactly. to grow. And yeah, I love to feel truly happy, really. I love what you just said about change is a scary word. Or is it? Yeah, it's a scary word. It's about feeling, not about Yeah, it's how it's actually how we feel about change. Exactly. It's scary. Exactly. It's yeah. not change itself. Yeah, it's about the way how we're thinking. Yeah. It's So we need to just shift our mindset and be excited rather than anxious about change. So what sparked this conversation for us was a few months ago, right? When so you came you arrived in the UK in February two thousand and seventeen. Yeah. yeah, we already known each other for a couple of years since two thousand and fifteen. Right. And you finally made it to the UK and I was so it was one of the happiest days of my life I think Um, that you made it it was very I remember it so well but you were placed in Leeds right right. and you lived in Leeds for a couple of years couple of years yeah 
and you had a job and, you know, we came to visit you there in like Christmas 2017 or the first Christmas, I think, that you were there. You'd built a community, you'd built your own family, right? right? So I was surprised when you came to me and you were like, Jazz, I'm moving to Edinburgh. And I remember asking you, like, well, do you know people in Edinburgh? Do you have a job in Edinburgh? Like, do you have a reason why you want to go? And what's the what, what's the plan? Do you have somewhere to live? And you were like, no, no, not really. I know a couple of people. Uh, I don't have a job. I don't have anywhere to live, but I'll figure it out. Yeah, exactly. And for me, that was mad because it's just not something that like you hear every day right people maybe they would move somewhere completely new for a job or something but for me it was just amazing because it was like you had no fear around that at no, all never i don't i don't have that fear never and i don't have fear at all i do believe myself and this is very very important yeah you believe in yourself i do and you never feel fear? No. How? No. How is that possible? How can I feel To be like... honest with you, when I say no, that will bring us back to what I said before. Like, I'm not worried about tomorrow because I'm not the person we create tomorrow. So you think it comes down to faith? Yeah, It comes faith, down to exactly. believing that all will be well and that you don't need to worry because yeah, exactly. someone is looking out for you. Yeah. Whatever that may be, whoever that may be, whatever God you believe in, that there's there's something or someone overseeing what's happening. Right. Okay. Right. So yeah, we don't need to we don't I don't I don't fear fear, you know, I don't have that feeling. But you still are capable of your own decisions, right? Yeah. So do you not feel fear that maybe your decision to move to Edinburgh, for example, is not the right decision? No, because I will not then think about, okay, I waste my time in Edinburgh. No, as I said, I'm, like, I'm learning everything a day. So basically what you're saying is that once you've made a decision, like you want to move to Edinburgh, for example, mm-hmm. you just go for it thinking, if it doesn't work out, then I make another decision to change the situation and yeah, to try something new. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Because okay. if, we, if we will never try things, we will never learn things. I really think that you're a great example of all of the things that have happened to you in your life so far have led you to where you are now and given you the wisdom that you have now. And there's been some... Fucking hard times, right? Yeah, you learn from your struggle. Yeah, that's what we lift you up. Before recording this, I asked you guys on Instagram what you wanted to know about Awad's life and journey. A few of you asked what he missed most about Sudan. There are many, there are so many things that I miss about Sudan. So, firstly, I'm mostly. I miss my family in Sudan. It's it's really difficult at first to be unable, you know, to spend time with the people that you have built a such good connection with. At the beginning, it feels like a part of your identity has been taken away. Yeah, which is really hard, you know. And yeah additionally i miss i miss the happy 
memories with my homeland, you know, like all the beautiful things, all the, wow, it's crazy, it's crazy, yeah. But the next question that somebody asked Awad was, what's the biggest life lesson that your journey has given you in regards to human nature? Can I say patient? Like be patient? Be patient. Yeah. Patience. Yeah. So, like everything takes time, you know, and greatness, it takes time as well. Mm -hmm. So, and funny things, like it takes 13 days to build Toyota and six months to build Rolls Royce. So, <laughs> like, yeah, be 13 patient. 13 days to build what? Toyota. A Toyota. Yeah. <laughs> and six months to build Rolls Royce. I've never so, heard that before. That's yeah, so good. <laughs> so, like, nothing will happen like just pew, like that. No, just be patient. Yeah. Oh, do you know what that reminds me of? Like when we met and you were living in the jungle, you were there for a long time. Yeah. How, nearly three years. Nearly three years. Which yeah. is probably one of the longest that of everybody that I know, actually. And I remember that we would see people every night. They would be going to cross. They would be attempting to cross on the Euro Tunnel and they would be leaving the camp late at night when it got dark. Right. And they'd be going on a mission to cross barbed wire fences and crawl through the mud and swim through moats and run from dogs and try and get on the Euro tunnel through all the security and the controls. And uh, I remember that there was a lot of horror stories of people getting hurt, people getting arrested, things happening to people getting tear gassed, being driven far away and their shoes taken and having to walk back to the jungle and all of these things were happening every day. And we were hearing people coming back, you know, from these attempts to cross and they were beaten often by police. police, Mm. And I remember you telling me that you weren't trying, you weren't doing those attempts with people at that time because you were watching and waiting and listening and thinking and you were learning from what other people were experiencing. And yes, of course, people were successful and people were crossing, but you were not deterred or encouraged by that. You were just learning, doing your own thing and creating your own path. And when you eventually did cross... You did it in your own way. Exactly, that's true. That's right. And I think that that's a really good example of that patience that, yeah, okay, it took you a long time, but you didn't risk your life. Yeah, exactly. Also, like, the biggest lesson that I've learned from my journey is trust the process, you know. Whatever happening, good, bad, just trust your life. Yeah. Trust that nothing lasts forever and that you'll come out the other side of it, right? Yeah. But you were never going to be living in that camp forever, so you just needed to make the best of it while you were there. And that, my dear friend, is exactly what you did. You made the best of it. And not only did you live in that camp, you thrived in that camp. And not only did you make friends, you made a family. Someone asked, did you encounter aid agencies in the jungle? Well, not only did you encounter aid agencies, you embodied and worked with and 
you provided aid of your own, right? Exactly. You volunteered, worked with the volunteers and you distributed clothing and you knew what everybody needed and you had your own community of people that you were very aware of who needed what, who was new, who was in need of shoes or who didn't have a tent or, and, and once the official camp was demolished, you were actually really the leader of a, of a community living in the next biggest camp right, yeah, that existed exactly. after the jungle was demolished of about how many people lived there? Uh, three, three, 350. 350. Yeah. All African. African, yeah. Uh, Sudanese and Eritrean. That's really why you stood out as a character that everybody knew. Everybody called you Rasta. <laughs> and Rasta was like, everybody, you know, like, Rasta, I need this. Rasta, I need that. Rasta, and blah, blah, blah. How did that feel for you? And how did that happen? How did you take on that role? You know, when you have that feeling, like, yeah, I can handle it. And you decide to take the responsibility. And you do believe yourself that you can do it. And the main things, um... I'm one of them. I mean, I come from the jungle. So that's my people. It's like caring, caring about someone else. It's really something beautiful, you know. And But caring for 300 people equally, like your family. Yeah. That's that's a pretty incredible feat. Yeah, because, because... Because you tell the people exactly, for example, why we are here and why we, what we have to do, okay, to go through this hard time. So if we don't come together and we don't stand together, okay, we're not going to make it work and it's going to be hard for everything a person living in the jungle. So... We don't want to know where do you come from. If you are Eritrean, we do respect you. Ethiopian or Sudan, we do respect you. So we are here living like a family. What I'm saying, we help each other. So that's, let's come together and make it easier for all of us. And one of the most amazing things that I remember about that time is that everybody had the same goal right in Calais everybody wanted to go to the UK that's why they were there lots of people spoke English they had family in England already they had reasons valid reasons why they wanted to go to England so everybody had their heart set on this one joint vision this one joint goal yet what struck me the most and what really stood out to me and I'll never forget is Mm -hmm. that when and and the situation was desperate it was really desperate i remember chatting to one guy in that camp that we're talking about now after the jungle had been demolished and his wife and his child were in the uk and his child was two and it was valentine's day actually when i was there and he was telling me all i want is to just be with my love my world my partner on valentine's day and my daughter and i haven't seen her for over a year and they had been relocated to the uk and not him and so he just wanted to to join them and and provide for them and have a normal family Family. life and so the situation was really desperate people had real valid reasons yet when somebody did cross and they were successful 
even when you crossed, nobody had anything but positive feeling about that. And that's what was so amazing is that it was a celebration when someone crossed, people were happy and they supported each other. And when you crossed, yeah, it left a big hole for a lot of people, you know, but I remember going to the camp after you'd made it to the UK and we called you in the UK and everyone was congratulating mm. you and saying, well done and we're so happy for you. And my brother, like, congratulations on your new life in the UK. Again, it comes back to that idea of the selflessness of not feeling like, oh, what about me? Or I want that so much. Yeah. It was about, I'm so happy for you, brother. And that's separate. That's not taking away from my situation. You know, that's even though actually it was. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like when you start being selfish, it's not bad, you know, to be a selfish because when you love yourself, that doesn't mean you're selfish. When you love yourself, you can give a lot. Yeah. I still remember like, when someone married to the UK, we all celebrate, you know, and we are happy because we do believe that, you know, our day is going to come. And what about when you finally crossed to the UK? Yeah, it was it was really great time, you know, when I married to the UK. And there are like a lot of people messaging me. People, they want to speak to you, to talk to you and to share their happiness and their joy because as we know like share a sorrow is half sorrow and that's what we used to do in the jungle and share joy it's double joy if someone trying to make it over and take like a wrong direction this person back to the jungle we just go and speak to this person you know like oh yes listen bro there's nothing guaranteeing this life. So you jump in this lorry, all your failing, all your praise, you just want to be in, in the UK. And unfortunately, you went the wrong direction. Ended so, up in Belgium. <laughs> yeah, for example, or in Germany. <laughs> so that thing will not bring you down, yeah? So basically you support each other in those difficult definitely, things that happen. Definitely, definitely. What does it mean if you are family and you don't support each other? Mm. What does it mean I will support you when you are happy and share your happiness together and let you down when you need me? Another example of that is I never forget that, you know, you took it in turns to close if someone was getting into a lorry then you take it in turns to close it from the outside and yeah, and we, and hope that that person would make it and take one for the team in that situation. And sometimes, yeah, you would be the one who did the closing of the lorry for everybody else. And yeah, uh, I said, okay, now I will give my chance to bring a woman, a woman with her baby, mm-hmm. a woman like, with a broken leg, as I said. People who are vulnerable, more vulnerable than yeah. you saw yourself at that time. Exactly. Yeah. You were all, yeah. yeah, it's like, it's harder for, for them because 24-7 I'm with those people, you know, like talking, chatting, playing, eating, discussing. So like, like you, like th- those people are your family, you know, those people are yeah. your family. And so I, you gotta, really you gotta feel that. about each other without even asking or talking. Yeah. So. But Awad, I just want you to 
to realize how special that is to have created that because yes they became like your family but I really think that you had 300 people there who really wanted you to succeed and wanted you and really cared about you being happy and succeeding in life and I I really think that most people can count how many people that feel like that about them on one hand you know like people who genuinely want you to succeed in life with no thought to themselves that's rare and that's what was so amazing to me in those camps that I saw that over and over again en masse and I've never experienced anything like it and that was so incredible coming from the UK and having grown up in the UK and really feeling like yeah of course you had friends of course you had loads of acquaintances and people around you that you know you work with or went to school with or live near you or your neighbours but people that really care people that really want you to do well people that genuinely feel happy when you succeed they're few and far between you create for what you want to see in your future in your life wow yeah you did a a very amazing job of it and all and all what we need is soul provider as I said is love you spent time talking like you said talking playing cards or sitting around the fire or living together in close proximity with all of these people from different countries different nationalities different religions backgrounds but everybody was fleeing something right everybody was leaving something behind was that something that you guys talked about openly or was it one of those things that you kind of left that was left unsaid did you go into each other's pasts and ask questions or was it like a a kind of universal understanding that that was not something that you kind of wanted to go into like some some of of my friend, I mean, people in the jungle, they just, they just sit and talk to you because they feel it hard, you know, to handle it, okay? And they will be just open with you and talk to you and just tell you, like, what happened to them and how did they feel about, for example, living home. Yeah, I hear like many, many stories. You listen to really, really like sad stories. Tell me what the future holds for you. What are you? What are your goals at the moment? Well, right now, like I'm a bit busy with building a great foundation. You know, from here in Edinburgh. So I'm about to apply for, like, yeah, to go back and start studying again. Because, yeah, the education, it's the power. What are you going to study? I'm going to do civil engineering. Yes. Yes. Of course you are. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I will. (laughs) Yeah. And... Yeah, I will make I will make myself happy and my my dad proud of me as well because I grew up in really really educated family. Like my older sister, she's really really great. Learn a lot from yeah from yeah. her how to be like 
independent person, how to support yourself, how how to lift yourself up and how to, s- to stay strong in a hard situation. And you just keep smiling, you know, and keep moving forward. Is she as smiley as you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my younger sister. She is studying right now. My older brother, my younger brother, sorry. Yeah, he's doing great right now as well. So we are making ourselves happy and our parents proud of us. And hopefully we got the opportunity to go and see them soon, soon, hopefully. To see them again? Yeah. After how long? Since 2011. Eight years? Yeah. It is like, imagine, like you wake up in the morning and you see your mom is smiling in your face and you're missing this right now. Like it is, you don't see your mom, you don't see the smile that made your day. You just open your eyes. Oh, mom, hey, morning, how are you? Yeah, nothing better than family. Family is everything, yeah. That's why you're creating it wherever you go. Yeah, exactly. It's just building, building, building family, building good connection, building nice environment. Awad, I believe that if anybody could make it happen, that you'll be reunited again, it would be you. And like yeah, you said, yeah. patience. Exactly. <laughs> And trust the process. Patience and trust the process. Yeah, exactly. Have faith. Yeah, have faith. All of the things that we've learned on this podcast today. Mm -hmm. This is what I've learned from after crossing all these rivers. (laughs) Rivers, lands and seas, hey? Exactly. One last thing that Awad shared really made me think. When I meet new people, one of the first things I often ask them is, where are you from? This comes from a genuine interest in their story. But Awad made me consider whether this question came from a place of privilege, a place of knowing that where I am from has not let me down, defined my life's purpose or made me feel unwelcome, and it doesn't generally come with stigma or judgment. People are always asking me, you know, like, okay, where are you from? Oh my, this question is... It's like, you know, sometimes you get lost between when someone asks you this question, is this person really wondering to know where do you come from? Or is a question just to give you the feeling or the feeling that you are not belong to this place? Because we've never been asking, like, it never happened to me, like, in my country to ask someone where do you come from just just come you are welcome yeah it doesn't matter where you're from no, but it matters no. that you're here right now no it doesn't matter where do you come from thank you really thank you just for feeling like you want to share what you have taken these years and experiences to learn because it's so valuable for anybody who has the opportunity to hear this to take on board 
Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share a part of my story and to have this lovely chat with you. Thanks for listening to Awad's important story and words of wisdom. This is a brand new podcast, so if you liked it, please subscribe and leave a review. It will help us to keep sharing these important stories and amplifying these voices that often go unheard. I'd love to know your thoughts and what you'd like to hear more of. To let me know, head over to our Instagram account, at the Worldwide Tribe. Follow and leave me a comment or direct message. The more people who come on this journey with us, the more connected we all become, and the more we unite as one worldwide tribe. A big thanks to Alexander Wells for composing our original music and mixing this episode.